Listener Production. Do you ever walk into a venue and feel like you've been transported back in time? How about being taken back to one specific year? Well, that's exactly what Brandon Martignago has achieved with his bar, Dulcie's. In Sydney's King's Cross, the cocktail bar is stuck in 1932, with onstage performances ranging from tarot readings to burlesque being just some of the things that make this experience more than a menu. Brendan, welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Is this an odd hour to come into the studio for a man who runs a bar? Because we're early in the morning for people that are listening. Yeah, people people are always uh, asking how early I get up, being a being a, a person of the night. Um, yeah. and I I don't mind mixing with daywalkers in the morning, so <laughs> it is quite nice. Uh, it's Does refreshing that, to see the sun. Do you still go out for breakfast? I mean, that's the question. Yeah, always, always. I don't know what state I'm often in, but yeah, no, I try and get in there when I can. Tell us about the concept of Dulcie's, because it's fascinating. Why did you pick? Because it's set in an era, isn't it? So this is the theme, the concept, the novel idea that makes it special. 1932, what's significant about that? The year the bridge opened. Oh. It all really started when we were looking at opening a bar and it was me and my business partner and we looked at various locations and we've always been very kind of focused on the idea of the locality and and what kind of the locality kind of instills into a venue. And one of the things that we found was when we found this dirty rundown old strip club in King's Cross that had really good rent rates, uh, we started looking at what would inspire a bar in King's Cross and what what could be the backbone of our narrative. And as we started going through things and everyone was always like, oh, you're going to do like a Kate Lee and Tilly Devine story and it's going to be about the Razor Gangs. And I was like, I think everyone's a little bit over that. And the more we scratched the surface, we realised that there was a whole heap of bohemian history to King's Cross. There was artists, there was like these amazing kind of performers and writers and a wealth of people that just mixed from all all aspects of kind of society and, and monetary value. And as we started reading more and more, a woman by the name of Dulcie Deema kind of came up and her kind of golden age was uh, the 20s to the 30s. And then when we read more about the 20s and 30s in Sydney, there was this definite point that Sydney changed, which we everyone kind of pinpoints to 1932, which is the year that New South Wales went from being like a colony... To a rebellious colony. <laughs> to, yeah. to, to a principality, I think, is where we're at now. Um, but essentially, yeah, the, the year that the Harbour Bridge opened, 1932, and really took it took New South Wales into its own form. So we thought that that was a an exciting period of, of local history to kind of encapsulate and celebrate. You mentioned Dulcie Deema there. Who was that? Uh, Dulcie was a artist, uh, writer, theatre practitioner. She established Australia's Guild of Writers. She was Australia's first uh, female boxing reporter. She was supposed to be on the Titanic, but she arrived a week early, so went on the Olympic. She was a suffragette. Uh, she went to America. She did a whole heap of things. She was a pioneer for her, uh, her time. And I think uh, we really stood behind that um, in the sense that she just kind of went out of her way to to change the the concept of what a woman of her period um, was and how she was. So had you had you conceptualised with your business partner? Had you conceptualised the idea? I suppose when you said, "Hey, let's go into business and open a bar," did it kind of fuse together well with this concept, or did you have to then? Did it kind of imagine your way around it? It was completely bespoke. I think uh, the location really for us uh, decided what what we were going to do. And I, I like I think for any kind of business owner who wants to 
open a business and who has like a deep connection with something other than just making money, you start really having concepts in your head that can fit and and mix and match. When we started looking at it and the idea of of turning uh, this King's Cross Strip Club into a, a 1930s cabaret cocktail bar that we imagined would be Dulcie, if Dulcie Dima had opened a bar, we started looking at the realities of that and going, oh, well, if we're going to go super local, why don't we go even more local and we'll only sell Australian spirits? So everything about it really came from the fact that we were on Darlinghurst Road and being on Darlinghurst Road, it's one of the most quintessentially Australian places that I think everyone in Australia knows. And so we were like, there's no point doing anything other than some quintessential Australian and if not Sydney kind of stuff. So yeah, it all like, it was very location specific, I would say. So Brandon, what's left of the strip club? We definitely have the stage. There's not much left of it. And we've tried to make it look like a 1930s cabaret room. Uh, But it's great because we get to utilise it for a whole heap of different things. We have a local detective who comes in and talks about local history once a week, talks about things like Juanita Nelson going missing, uh, Abe Saffron, Sammy Lee, all the notorious stories that people just really want to sink their teeth into about King's Cross as well. So what what do people love? You know, what do you find that when your first interaction with a customer, it could be the 20th, what do they they love particularly? So our menu not only has uh, the name of the drink and the ingredients, but also the context and the history behind it. So we'll give the little like anecdote or the facts behind it. And people really love that cultural capital and they're able to kind of, I hear it all the time, they bring their friends back and that that little piece of information that they've learnt from a bartender or they've looked at a picture on the wall and asked a question about it, they then bring people back and share that information. And my favourite is um, because we're an old strip club and all the neons and Darling House Road are heritage listed, we have the old stripperama neons in our toilets and every time people bring people back, they're like, oh, you should go to the toilets and check out the neons. <laughs> and I'm like, is that really all my bar is? Um, but it's great because it Hey, if it that's gives, the unique selling position, I'll put more neons do. in the toilets. <laughs> um, but I think that that's the best part about it is that you give people a connection and an engagement that you don't get in a lot of other places. And because we are small and because we have such an intimate team and most of my staff have been there since we opened, we have these like connections where we indulge people in a fantasy world. Uh, People often leave at 2am after their martinis and they'll go upstairs and suddenly they're on Darlinghurst Road and there's a McDonald's out the front and they forget where they are. And I think that that's a really exciting power that uh, venues have. How did you cope going through the lockdown and engaging that local community you talk about? For me, my focus was always on my staff and making sure that I kept my staff employed. It also meant that I needed, I had relationships with uh, local distilleries and people like that. So I needed to order stock and I needed to do something with Australian spirits. And there was a captured market. We uh, we talk about selling martinis to people till 2am. You don't have those relationships and then let them die instantly. So there was also a commitment to the community to make sure there was a sense of normalcy about their lives. And so for me, it was a natural pivot to this idea of doing takeaway cocktails. And we changed everything. We made sure it was all about the experience again. So we got mini bottles, we got labels, we got cocktail cards with histories and ingredients and how you'd present it and how you'd prepare it. We sold glassware, we had a Spotify playlist. We like went all in on the takeaway vibe and we made sure that if people were going to do this, they got a chance to do Dulcies at home to the best of their ability. All my staff delivered it. We did it in a certain K radius, which... um, when you get people who are used to standing behind a bar, suddenly walking the streets, delivering things, I, I don't think many of them were as fit as they thought they were, but they definitely <laughs> were by the end. Um, and it, it gave them a chance to like connect with customers, even if it was at the door or via an intercom. 
and it really kept this neighbourhood character alive for us. It was probably some of the best marketing we'd ever done too because because we were so early to adapt. And then the second lockdown came and things started changing again and it wasn't as easy to sell cocktails and everyone was selling a bottled Negroni and everyone was every bar was on the wave now. Like it was a vibe that everyone was into. So we pivoted again and decided to offer spirits clubs and we'd do spirits tastings. So I would just go through the cabinet, which was just sitting gathering dust, and for $80 a week we would open up a session where we would bottle samples of all of five spirits and we would send them out to all these people and they would be able to sit with us on Zoom and go through these spirits and we'd be able to talk to people. And there were smaller sessions, like 15 people. These people had never met each other. They just responded to an ad on Instagram. And when we reopened, they came back in for a drink for the first time together. And they're, they are a little spirits club now. They're like a sisterhood of travelling booze. Um, <laughs> and, and there's some dudes in there as well. They're not all girls. Um, but they came in and I was like, I don't really understand the implication of what we do until people say it to us. And each one of them would say to me that having that schedule every week of a Saturday where the same people would meet and talk about spirits and they'd sometimes come in or we'd have that delivered to them really helped them hang on to something and give them something to look forward to. It allowed people to really build their own kind of approach to alcohol that isn't about just going out and getting drunk. Yeah. It was an appreciation. Well, it, 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 it's part of your tribe and it's a true local, yeah. you know, where you can go in and you can talk to friends or not or just talk to the barman. And they yeah. do now. They come down and, like, our, our bar's always full now because you have all these people coming down and feeling part of this community. Brandon, thank you so much for coming in and just sharing a little, you know, snapshot of your, your bar and your community. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me involved. It's I, I feel quite privileged. Thank you. Listener.